Hey, I'm looking for Fred Rogers. In here. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Please, won't you be my neighbor? Hello, neighbor. Ah, it's too, too, too many heartstrings. Stop it. Start the show. Welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I am not Tom Hanks or Fred Rogers. I am Tom Merritt. Yeah, man, I'm Brian Brushwood. And more importantly, 8-bit, 8-bit underscore XD in the chat. Just He just writes, the end of this trailer, dot, dot, dot. It really is. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go check out the trailer for the Fred uh, Fred Rogers, what, uh, biopic? Yeah, um, A Beautiful uh, Day in the Neighborhood coming is, from Sony this November. Is it just going to be a retread of everything? or what? It, it ends on a very sweet note, by the way. Everybody should watch him. Uh, yeah, apparently it talks about uh, Fred's relationship with ex-magazine writer Tom Junod, uh, the real life story. So, Oh, that's I, wonderful. I, I actually don't know their relationship because I didn't see the documentary yeah, from last I, I, year. Uh, I don't think they did anything. in the. I did watch the documentary. The documentary oh, is fantastic. Was it? Uh, a, but, but there was no uh, relation. It was just about Fred Rogers, oh, which is why I was wondering what, what this story would be about. So I think it's about their friend. I think that's like the... The big narrative conceit is their They were neighbors, friendship. right? Something like that. I mean, everybody's his neighbor. Uh, <laughs> but but, but I, I will say highly recommended. Go watch that documentary. It's fantastic. I ha- Yeah. And it, Bryce and I were talking before the show. It's really hard for you not to see Tom Hanks anytime, right? He is so Tom Hanks. And watching this trailer, I was like, that's a damn good Fred Rogers. I'd still find myself going back to go, but that's Tom Hanks. But uh, it's it's a it's a really really good Fred Rogers if you can get yourself to stop seeing Tom Hanks. And uh, the guy who plays uh, the reporter is from the Americans, so I kept wanting to warn Fred Rogers that it was a Russian spy. Oh, no, sure that's I'll amazing, man. All of that. Hey, man, uh, big big week. We get we we get a lot of uh, exciting uh, speculation to do. Yeah, man, we're, we're going to talk about a lot of the things, not all of the things, but a lot of the things that came out at Comic-Con, starting with the Marvel stuff in our primary target. So I am just going to go through and uh, I, I will I will I will go through in in the timeline order of the Mars Marvel phase Four announcements, uh, 10 movies and Disney plus series. That doesn't mean 10 movies and 10 Disney plus, but 10 total announcements. There were also some surprise announcements without dates. We'll get to at the end. Uh, but let's start with black widow coming May 1st next year, 2020 Scarlett Johansson, Rachel Weisz, Florence Pugh and Dave Harbor in black widow. And apparently this is going to, uh, finally tell us what happened to Budapest. Yeah, uh, very, very, very excited about this. Uh, uh, Black Widow was one of the best parts of uh, Endgame, and uh, it's a bit... It feels reductionist. Uh, We talked about this in the Weird Things podcast, but it feels reductionist to, to... define a category and say best of breed in the category but but uh in the category of female superheroes maybe she's my favorite superhero she was certainly the very best in uh avengers endgame uh i'm really really excited to see what they would they do with this and i I guess it's going to take place chronologically after avengers 
After the is, first Avengers movie. Yeah. Yeah. The the very first. So that uh, will be interesting to kind of shoehorn something in. That's a that's got a little bit of a Rogue One solo feel to well, it. Well, I it? I feel like it, it it is positioned at the height of her competence and established uh position mm-hmm. of authority, but before, and again, one of my favorite parts about Endgame is the sort of beleaguered still running this crap like attitude that she had like like she was in charge of the avengers for so long uh but um uh yeah still excited i think there's tremendous potential here then after that we get uh disney plus uh launch series uh falcon and the winter soldier that says fall 2020 but disney plus is launching in november so i assume it's coming at the time of disney plus is launching picking up after endgame uh so it will be Falcon, I guess, as Captain America, uh, with Daniel Bruhl returning as Zemo. I mean, they certainly, they certainly have the the iconograph, uh, iconic imagery of the Captain America shield in there. Um, the thing is, is I, I liked, not loved, both Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I'm hoping to be surprised by this. Yeah, it's an interesting place to start your Disney Plus series, as we'll see with some of the others. But uh, it may have just been production schedules. Who knows? Uh, then November 6th, 2020, we'll get The Eternals. Uh, wait, I, you know what? I just said Falcon and Winter Soldier at launch. Uh, I think Disney Plus is launching this November, right? So this isn't mm-hmm. at launch. I, I apologize for the error. Uh, the Eternals coming November 6th, 2020, starring Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjani, Brian Tyree Henry, Selma Hayek, and Angelina Jolie. Uh, the Neil Gaiman Eternals is one of my favorite series. I've actually gone back and watched and started reading the original Jack Kirby, the Eternals, uh, as well. And it, it's I'm looking forward to this because I love that storyline of, oh, the ancient Greek gods. Yeah, well, they were actually just kind of modified humans caused by the Celestials. Uh, you've got some interesting ties into uh, Thanos and Star-Lord's dad, uh, Star-Lord's dad being a celestial, Thanos being an eternal in the comic books. It'll be interesting to see if they explore those connections at all. What do you think, Brian? You you might be able to talk me off this ledge because um, there, there, there have been several gateways where I feared that uh, everything was getting too big for its own good. Uh, part of what I loved about Iron Man is that it was very grounded and concrete. It was in reality. Dude had a car battery hooked up to keep, uh, you know, shrapnel out of his chest, uh, you know, staples a bunch of armor onto him and bust out of a prison or whatever. That That is something I can easily relate to. Uh, I feared that uh, when we get to like Guardians of the Galaxy or some of the, uh, like Thor might be the first one. Uh, I, I feared that it's too cosmic for me to care. And luckily they dodged that bullet, but they did not dodge that bullet when it came to Captain Marvel. I thought Captain Marvel was awful because it was so cosmic that I no longer had any kind of a finger hold on on where we were at or what the stakes were. And that is my biggest fear for the Eternals. But it sounds like you're much more familiar with this story than I am. So you might be able to talk me back off that ledge. Like, yeah, like, like remind- I mean, it mostly takes place in New York. Oh, so it, it's not it's not terribly ethereal in action. It's ethereal in concept. Uh, and Spoiler alert for those who want to read the comics. You might not want to listen to what I'm saying next. But the conceit is that the Eternals in the Gaiman series don't remember they are all Eternals. And that's slowly starting to come back because one Eternal is kind of going around and trying to get them back together because they have to bond together to, to fight off this danger that only the Eternals could fight off. 
they may not go with the game and plan. Can't game and plan get that? Uh, but but I imagine that there's there's something they could do even with, with Kirby. It kind of starts in Brazil and then moves to New York, and it's the same idea of like only the Eternals can come back out of the shadows uh, to protect the Earth. Uh, and I, I think that that's that's a good story. I don't I don't think that story would be too ethereal for you. I I, I think you're right, and especially of course the casting of like you know Camille Nanjiani. He's, he's made his bonus as a very self-deprecating individual who's uh, big on highlighting the foibles of humanity. As long as it feel, it doesn't have to actually be human, but it has to feel human. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, and and the Eternals are humans. They were modified to be immortal and have special powers. Uh, so they kind of cross the divide. And in the, again, going back to the Gaiman comic, they don't know they have those powers, some of them, uh, for a while. But they're all based on your typical Greek mythology, Apollo, Athena, et cetera, uh, which I, I, I kind of love that if it's done if it's done in a in a clever way with with people who who know how to depart from the myth enough to keep it interesting. So looking forward to that myself. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings comes February 12th, 2021, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton with Simu Liu, who, if you watch Kim's Convenience, you'll know him from there as Shang-Chi and Tony Leung as the Mandarin for real. Not the fake Mandarin from Iron Man, but this time the real Mandarin. I was comfortable with the fake Mandarin. I don't... It The jaded part of me wants to perceive this as being a smart, savvy move to have a movie be very successful in the other hemisphere. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I, 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 the Mandarin is a problematic character in the Marvel universe in that he's a standing, <laughs> a, a terrible stereotype. Uh, and I kind of like the, the, the head fake that they did in Iron Man three, which I thought was great. Um, I, I don't know how to read this. Uh, however, having said that, uh, one of my favorite things in comic books and video games is that unlock of specific power ups or whatever. And the idea that you got 10 rings and they all do different things that could be a lot of fun or whatever. I, I just I don't know. I, I thought it was good the way they uh, head faked on uh, on Mandarin. And I, I, I'm not personally raring to go back and visit that again. Yeah, I, I'm not invested in the Mandarin character from the comics at all. So uh, to me, it sounds cool that uh, instead of having Ben Kingsley playing uh, this character or instead of having Iron Fist doing the martial arts, uh, maybe we actually, you know, have have a Chinese story from China. Uh, I know that my wife, who's Asian, is very excited about that idea. Uh, and uh, she's also a fan of the wuxia genre out of China that that comes out of mainland China, but also Hong Kong and Taiwan. Uh, and it does seem like they want to do like a really good wuxia movie, uh, which I, I think could blow your socks off. I mean, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was the first that our hemisphere was really exposed broadly to that kind uh, of movie making. And that was 20 years plus, right? So uh, I, this, if you look at Marvel as like, oh, they take superheroes, match them up with genres and make a genre movie. I think that's what we're headed for. Yeah. And, and in that regard, it, I think it's important to remind everybody that it's like I'm speaking with two voices. One voice is uh, for all of humanity. I love all of the cross pollination we can get as far as storytelling. Uh, the closer we feel to all cultures, blah, blah, blah. is great. Uh, but but as a Marvel fan, I I was already oops, sorry. I was already satisfied with our first treatment of the Mandarin. So it's the retread that has me a little mm -hmm. bit like, eh. 
Uh, WandaVision come in spring 2021. Uh, it will lead right into Doctor Strange 2. Uh, and in fact, uh, spoiler, Scarlet Witch is in Doctor Strange 2. Uh, and will star Tayona Paris playing an adult Monica Rambeau. Monica Rambeau was the young girl in Captain Marvel. Uh, that's cool. I don't know what to expect from that. I, I was never super in love with the relationship between, uh, uh, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch and Vision, Vision you know? Yeah. Uh, well, you're, then you're going to love the relationship between Scarlet Witch and Monica Rambo. <laughs> Apparently. I don't know. Okay. I have no idea what to think about this other than like, oh, well, it'll be an important story to follow to lead into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which uh, comes out May 7th, 2021, directed by Scott Derrickson and described as a horror film. As I mentioned, Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch uh, will be in it. And uh, they say they want to they want to scare people with this. I think this is a terrible name, but. The, the Multiverse it could be of a, Madness. Yeah, right. It's it's a it's a ride at Universal Orlando. It Come is. On. It's a. Total uh, carnival, right? Right. <laughs> um, but, but, and, and uh, we talked about this on weird things as well. Uh, they've already kind of dipped their toes in sort of that, that going insane, looking at the immenseness of, of infinity. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and if they can lean farther into that love, Lovecraftian imagery, I, th I think this could be really, really good. I, as I assume the 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 positive t uh, outcome here is that I end up seeing this movie and say, oh, now I get it. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is supposed to sound like a carnival ride because it's so much the opposite or something like that. So we'll see. I don't know about that. All right. Uh, Loki comes to Disney Plus spring 2021. It will be a series about gay. We guessed right. What happens to Loki after he escapes with the Tesseract in 2012? Hands down, the single property I'm most excited about for for the whole thing uh it's freaking uh, prediction it's going to be sliders in marvel alternate timelines it's going to be great uh we have, we have we have a, a main a protagonist who is not obligated to do the right thing he mm -hmm. uh in fact we expect him to you know we're happy when he does the right thing but we don't expect him to uh he's in a sideways timeline where uh, you know it, it, anything can go uh, i want to see him jump through time i want to see him helping out hitler and then foiling hitler and then and then hanging out with saddam hussein and then so inventing more, windows um, more voyagers where he travels through that timelines time stream rather than sliders which goes between a bunch of alternate universes i mean you know what uh, why 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 why, why, why why couldn't he do why not both the <laughs> only reason why not both is because what if comes summer 2021 which is an entire series dedicated to alternate timelines but yeah i mean you could you could still have loki being going through alternate timelines too uh jeffrey wright has been cast as the watcher who will narrate the what if episodes. And if you don't know the what if series, uh, basically it says, Hey, let's just throw out Canon and come up with fun ideas. So here's the weird part is I believe somewhere in one of these articles, it was said that the what if, uh, franchise will be officially part of the Marvel Canon, which opens up an interesting possibility. We were speculating about this earlier. What if dot, 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 uh, Part of the things we're headed towards is a, uh, a a Secret Wars movie down the road. And what if that Secret Wars version uh, movie uh, took characters not from just the canonical timeline, but from all timelines? In which case, what if dot 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 five years from now, we have a movie where old man Logan shows up and 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 Tony Stark from an alternate timeline where he's still alive shows up like like, oh, my God, how amazing would that be? 
Yeah. Uh, and if this if this goes off like gangbusters, uh, that becomes possible for sure. I mean, it's already possible. It becomes more possible. Yeah. Uh, and then that that is a Disney Plus series, as is Hawkeye coming fall 2021, uh, which will explore his time as Ronan, uh, which sort of is where he is when we meet him in Endgame. Can, can we talk about that font and how it looks like it's a sitcom? Supposedly, this is the it's font an overworked that they, dad. <laughs> supposedly, this is the font that they used in one of the more recent Hawkeye series. Huh. Okay. This is the, the uh, same text. So, so straight straight from the comic. Okay. Right. That's my. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, sure. Could be great. Could be boring. I can't tell. Is Jeremy Renner going to sing in this? Because it would be great if he. Sings. I hope he pitches me some real estate. Uh, and then finally, Thor. Uh, finally, as far as ones having dates. Thor Love and Thunder coming November 5th, 2021, directed by Taika Waititi, starring Natalie Portman as Thor, Chris Hemsworth as Thor also, and Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie, uh, based on the series The Mighty Thor by Jason Aaron. Man, I'm so sorry. I stopped li listening after you said Taika Waititi uh, because I, I am, I'm busy buying my ticket right now. <laughs> <laughs> How do I buy? Can I can I put a, uh, a, a what was it called in the in the markets when you, you put a, a stop uh, oh, order? Yeah, uh, oh, gee, uh, 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 hold option yeah a hold option on the thor love and thunder thank you um but i i'm happy natalie portman is coming back i am not shocked that they're doing a female thor but i wasn't convinced that it would be her i thought well they probably won't be able to get her so they'll do some spin where it'll be an alternate version of her or somebody else will be not her but it's gonna be natalie portman so that's I good I'm excited. Uh, Natalie Portman is supremely talented. Um, she's been woefully underutilized for for the last several movies. So if 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 I, I assume that this is sort of an all in decision, and she, because when she gives herself over to a role, she's yeah. extraordinary. And she was. I, I, do you think she was underutilized in the first two Thor movies, or are you just talk about Avengers? Uh, first movie, she was establishing the character. Second movie, I I, I, I don't know. It's like I watched it twice, and I still don't really see why I would care uh, one way or the other. Uh, certainly, it's you know why was she? I I I, I, I think she must have a great her. agent for whatever happened during Endgame. Yeah, <laughs> like like right. however they wedged her in there for thirty seconds and then managed to get her like third billing in the credits. Uh, a good agent. Uh, and then stuff that was announced that doesn't have a date attached to it. Uh, we will get a version of Blade starring Mahershala Ali, Oscar winning Mahershala Ali. I don't know what to think about this. I, uh, part of me wants to go back and revisit the original Blade to see if it's good or not. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I, it's I'm an inspired overly... choice. There are lots of other pieces that don't involve Mahershala Ali, obviously, that have to come together to make it good. Uh, but I love everything he's ever done. Oh, uh, which makes me think, well, this must be good. He must think it's going to be good or I don't think he would have agreed to do it. Yeah. This could be the first exception to that rule. Don't get me wrong. Well, but. and speaking of agreeing to do it, I think the rumor out there is that he asked to do it. Is that oh, he really? talked to Feige and said, hey, let's do Blade. Yeah, I, I and, and I, I guess to contextualize my skepticism, mm -hmm. uh, Blade was a good movie to me in spite of the fact that it's a vampire hunting film, not because mm -hmm. of it. So now starting a new franchise and knowing only that it's about a dude who kills vampires, I, I am back to my, my default skepticism of whether or not I'll be interested. 
All right. Uh, and then uh, Kevin Feige at the very end of the Comic-Con panel uh, mentioned that, yes, he doesn't have details or dates, but they are going to do another Black Panther, another Guardians of the Galaxy, another Captain Marvel, a Fantastic Four, which is the first official world out of his mouth that we're definitely doing it. And he mentioned mutants, not X-Men, but mutants. I don't know. Okay, two things. Don't, don't care, don't care, don't care. Best announcement of all of the convention. Fantastic Four is one of my most precious, beloved franchises. I hope they, they do it right. Uh, uh, we've, we've speculated on the air that, in my opinion, the best way to do it would be to start with a Doom movie <laughs> and then reveal the Fantastic Four or at least set Fantastic Four as a period piece and then have them, you know, I don't know, get trapped in space time and, and, and go to modern day. That would be great. But um, uh, the... Oh, doggone it. What, what was the last uh, the last one that you just said? Mutants. Uh, he oh, said, mutants. I don't yeah, have yeah. time to talk about Fantastic Four or mutants. Right. So the mutants thing, um, we, we talked about this on this show, that there's a possibility that they could just follow the exact same playbook that they did with the Avengers, a bunch of solo mutant movies, and then ending with the, the, the reforming of the X-Men. Yeah. Uh, do, do you feel like that is a step in the in that direction or no? It could mean that, and if it does mean that, I love it. I potentially love it, obviously. Uh, I think that'd be a great way to go rather than saying – because as soon as you put X-Men, suddenly everybody thinks about the past two casts of X-Men. Uh, but if you go out there and do uh, – Wolverine is a little problematic because of Hugh Jackman, but if you do any of the other characters standalone, then it has less of that association, right? Uh, and, and I think that would be great to just kind of pull together the mutants. I think it could also mean they're going into the storylines that involve mutants that are spinoffs of the X-Men because they can now uh, and waiting and not doing X-Men stuff for a while, which could be okay too. I don't know. Yeah. And keep in mind, there's also the sideways thread. Uh, I guess it's owned. Is it, is it Fox or Sony that owns the Deadpool and was playing with that? Was, was that that was, I that was Fox. Fox. Is Fox. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so at that point they could, it could be, on that tangent that, that they follow more mutant stuff uh, on, through Deadpool. Yeah. They didn't mention Deadpool at all. Right here. Well, be, um, because X force, because they did the whole X force uh, thing on, on Deadpool. Yeah. And they own Deadpool now. So they could have said, and we'll also do Deadpool, but they didn't. So I, I again, I don't know if that means anything or not. Uh, it's R rated. Maybe they are just not going to have it be part of the MCU the way it was not part of the X-Men. Right. Uh, anyway, we'll find out more at D23, which is happening in Anaheim, California, August 23rd through the 25th. Uh, I'm sure there will be more Disney-related Marvel announcements at that point. Uh, probably trailers and casting announcements would be my guess. They've laid out the entire schedule here. Right on. Hey, man, is now a good time to remind everybody that if they want to support our show, if they want to keep us live, live and independent, they should head on over to patreon.com slash cordkillers. It is a perfect time for that because... While we're talking about it, you have time to do it, right? So pull to the side of the road, stop your run for a second, pull out your phone, patreon.com slash cordkillers, tappity tap, and you're supporting the show and making our lives better with virtually no impact on you. Yeah, dude, you will never notice it on your credit card statement. Uh, your, your latte is going to be more expensive than you supporting our show for only a dollar an episode. Also, by the way, as you guys know, we're building more production facilities Kind of, kind of out of money. Now's a really good time to become <laughs> a boss. Patreon.com slash killers. Let's talk about how to watch.
if it hadn't been for Gall during Comic-Con, this probably would have been our top story today. But uh, Netflix reported its first drop in U.S. subscribers since 2011. Wow. Now, it added 2.7 million subscribers overall, but that's about half of what it expected, and it lost 130,000 subscribers in the U.S. The last time it lost U.S. subscribers was right after it split DVDs and streaming apart. So it was very much expected then. It was not expected this time. The company noted that it saw it missed its forecast by wider margins in areas where it increased prices, including the United States, obviously. Uh, but Netflix said in addition to the price increase, it also doesn't believe its original content in Q2 was driving as much growth as Netflix anticipated. Uh, for next quarter, Netflix says, we're going to add 7 million subscribers worldwide. We'll add 800,000 in the U.S. Everything will go back to normal. Now, there's a few other ideas about what's going on with Netflix, but before we get to them, let's look at the idea that it was the lineup. Uh, the hits in Q2, which Netflix actually gave out numbers again, uh, Dead to Me had 30 million streams, when They See Us, the Ava DuVernay uh, film, 25 million. The Perfect Date, 48 million. And Always Be My Maybe, 32 million. In this upcoming quarter, which has already started, you've got Stranger Things Season 3, Orange is the New Black, Ozark Season 3, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, as well as comedy specials from Aziz Ansari, Whitney Cummings, and Catherine Ryan, with original films on tap, for later in 2019, including The Irishman from Martin Scorsese and the movie Six Underground, directed by Michael Bay, starring Ryan Reynolds. So, yeah, Q2, Q3 do not compare as far as the quality of the content. So uh, uh, not mentioned in any of this is is do you feel like at any level uh, we'd previously talked about the importance of them having friends in the catalog and the office in the catalog, those those blue chip uh, rewatches. Um, I'm, I'm not seeing any mention about. Do you think that has anything yeah, to do no, with this? Netflix actually did say that its customers uh, spend uh, when when it drops catalog content from third parties, which it's done many times. Sure. Dropping stars, dropping Disney stuff that it sees its members shift to other content. It doesn't usually see catalog content drops cause drops in subscriptions. Also, they haven't dropped all of the things that people are mad about them potentially dropping. So you wouldn't see subscription drops from those until they actually drop them, like Friends, for instance. Right, right. Uh, yeah, same page. I don't know. I, I know that Netflix probably is going to say that because it sounds good. I think it's true. I think it's it's one of those like, well, you know, back of the envelope, of course people dropped because they're going to get rid of the uh, Friends and they got rid of the office. I, I think that sounds better than than it means. I think it's one of those things that doesn't play out in practice because it takes effort to to cancel Netflix. And really, if you were only watching Netflix for The Office, uh, you probably would have canceled already because you would have watched The Office and then canceled, right? Well, and keep in mind also, though, that that fairly recently we'd covered the story. What, what did they write? Like a $100 million check to keep friends on there or something ridiculous? Yeah, the, to extend it for a year. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that they... You know, that makes sense because they're like, yeah, we may not lose that many subscriptions, but certainly isn't going to hurt. So I I think it's a red herring and it, I think it always has been a red herring. Netflix was going to die when it lost stars. Netflix was going to die when it lost the CW. Netflix was going to die when it, until it got the CW back later. Like there's always something it's losing, but it's always its biggest value proposition is the big show 
like Stranger Things that's going on. And it looks like it's going to continue to, to do well with that. Whether it does as well as it thinks with 800,000 gained subscribers in the U.S., I don't know. That, that may be different. But you got Martin Scorsese. You got Jerry Seinfeld. Like you're you're making much more compelling new content. And as we all know, it's not the syndicated channel that does well in the ratings because it's got the back catalog. It's the people that are making the new stuff. So separate question. Where, oh, where are we at in this new world where Netflix loves to tout its own numbers? Like knowing that – like. Nielsen numbers are a bit different because they're independent third party. They're doing their best to to figure out. But but like, do we just take Netflix at their word? And why are they telling us this? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess we have to take them at their word. Uh, there's no way to audit it, right? I mean, there, there are lots of independent estimates out there, but Netflix always says those are wrong and they very well might be. Uh, but what Netflix said regarding its releasing of numbers is – it's important for us to help condition the market to understand what the viewing data is. So it's not being compared apples to oranges against things that are not similar. If we started publishing tomorrow, we'd be the only streaming service doing it. So it, they're kind of packing two things in here. Is first of all, Prime Video and Hulu aren't telling you they're streaming numbers either, are they? And they're saying, hey, if a Nielsen number comes out uh, and you think it's small, we want to make sure that you know what to compare it to. And I think there's also a little bit of like, someday you're going to hear an Amazon number and we want you to know how much bigger our numbers are. Yeah. Uh, Beatmaster80 says uh, only mentioning numbers of shows that do well is kind of shady. That's actually a good point. I actually wonder if Netflix wouldn't be doing itself a favor to give accurate numbers on stuff that's not doing well. And and they could even pat themselves on the back that says, congratulations, Voltron, despite only getting 130,000 views this month, we're renewing you for a fifth season. Like, like, uh, it, 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 feels... I don't think that works. It, I think, they oh, just, really? I think all that ends up is they, is people here a hundred, it only got 130,000. And if their point is to have viewing data out for a comparison, they don't want those low numbers out there, right? They, they want their best stuff. I mean, all TV stations tout their best rated stuff. The only difference is you could dig into the Nielsen numbers and find out the ratings of the stuff that didn't do well, but you never hear them touting that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like in a world where Netflix is not beholden to advertisers uh, with the exception. And we've talked about this before. I am certain there are a billion behind the scenes deals happening for product placement and all that stuff. in their originals. So they're essentially making advertising revenue that way. But part of me wonders if, Doing something radical like just giving all of their numbers and just making it a public feed might not be a, a wise idea for them just to sort of break that model because they're in a position where but, they I can mean, afford why? to. to, what did, to whoops. Uh, what do they get out of it? Uh, well, if if five years from now we're going to be in a world where these numbers are going to be out anyway, they can position themselves with the moral authority of like, hey, man. We gave you we're honest. We were honest from the beginning when we didn't have to be. And and that is only a move that somebody who's in the number one spot can justify doing. I just don't think that many people are interested. I mean, yes, we are interested. People in the industry are interested. I just don't think it matters. And suddenly a small number will blow up and a bunch of people who weren't interested in the numbers will know them. I, I, I kind of think Netflix is right to be like, yeah, nobody really cares what our numbers are except for you reporters. But we think that there's a good reason to give these numbers out because it's showing where we've been so that when numbers come out in the future, you can compare them. 
but showing all the numbers, I don't think it impresses that many people. I don't think it brings them much good. Yeah, I guess maybe maybe this is the magician in me, but I feel like if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna have some amount of the curtain there, then just pull the curtain all the way closed. Mm-hmm. And instead, like like I think they were in a stronger position by saying like, yeah, we don't do numbers. We're Netflix. We're freaking awesome. Get bent. You know, like I I feel like that was a better branding position than where they're at now. We talked about Netflix doing those like top 10 lists in England. And yep. I think that from a consumer standpoint is more interesting yeah. and, and a, a usability thing. Like j- j- just so you know, like where, where everybody else is watching so that you can give them a taste. Yeah. Right. It's like a discovery. It's a new discovery tool. I think if I knew all the numbers, I wouldn't really care because it would just be so many programs. But if I do see, Oh, this month, these are the top 10 things then suddenly they've it's been data curated for me and it's a new it's like a soft feature right it's like okay mm-hmm. these are this is a new reason to look over over here so I, I wonder if maybe that's just it is that you know well, they don't need to report that, to advertisers. that leads very nicely into something i found on market watch uh as a potential explanation for netflix's downturn that netflix didn't say which is uh nielsen found that if video streaming subscribers don't know what to watch, they're twice as likely to tune into a broadcast television channel, 58% of them do this, than browse through the menus of their streaming service. Oh, my gosh. if they just go like, I don't know what to watch tonight now, Uh, I'm looking at this menu, I don't want to stream through it, I'll just see what's on TV, right? 100%. Uh, absolutely agree with this. Uh, 44% of polled viewers said they would scan through television channels to decide what to watch, while 26% say they watch shows recommended by their subscription service. So a show that Netflix says, we know you want to watch this, not as often chose chosen as, I'm looking through the guide, that looks good. Uh, the preference is stronger in the 35 to 49 year old demographic compared to viewers between the ages of 18 and 34, which may imply that there's some like I grew up this way, I'm more comfortable with the guide kind of way. But there's also the idea that if something is just on in front of you, you're more likely to settle in and go, yeah, okay, this is fine. Then if you have to take the action of pressing play to see if it trips your trigger. Yeah, dude, it's uh, the trolley pop problem for your attention, where it's like like nobody wants the responsibility of being the one to decide for future you for the next hour that this is where and to be honest and like we talked about quibi last week i think i think quibi reduces the cost of that trolley problem where it's like okay i understand it's a movie but i only have to watch nine minutes of it so future me can suck it up and watch the first nine minutes of this and then if i don't like it i'll be out and uh i i I think it's the same thing for even deciding to watch any amount of a show i have been saying for a long time and i thought in the past it was just because I'm weird and I like this idea, uh, but maybe it's a way to retain subscribers is that Netflix should have at least one, if not multiple channels that are their content. Uh, no, I, mean, I don't mean Netflix originals. I mean, stuff on the platform that you can say, hey, you feeling lucky? I, in fact, I think somebody emailed us uh, the idea of calling it you feeling lucky, like the you feeling lucky button on Google, but you just click into it uh, and it starts, it, it's maybe even in the middle of playing things. There could be an originals channel. There could be a sci-fi channel. There could be a romantic comedies channel. Uh, and, and just be like, I don't know. I, but I know I want this because the thing with the guide is it's not like you're just turning on channel seven and watch whatever they're flipping through a little bit, but it's a limited enough choice that they can be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, 
unfortunately, I perceive that we're just around the corner from AIs being smart enough to not only know, look, we already know what you want to watch, even if you don't know what you want to watch. And we also know that you're infatuated with the idea of choice. So we're on purpose going to let you go through six different garbage stations, and then you're going to and on this, we're going to show you the explosion the moment you flip to it. We know you love explosions, and then we know you're going to stay on this channel. So we're going to give you the feeling, much like yeah. a toddler pretending to drive in the back seat with its fake driving wheel. Uh, I, 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 I feel like that's where we're headed. We're all just going to be pets of, of the apocalypse. Yes. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> I love that. Uh, we'll make great pets. It was an awesome song. It's a way to live. No, I mean, I, I don't want to be a pet of the apocalypse, but uh, I think we could probably strike a difference somewhere in the middle between becoming pets of the AI apocalypse and having an AI that does give me like six channels that are full of stuff I want to watch. Yeah. Although, again, to reiterate, it'll be five that it knows you'll perceive as possibly no, stuff fine. you're interested in. No, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> okay. uh, as, as long as I, I end up watching something and enjoying it, that's all that matters in that limited scenario. There you go. <laughs> all right, let's talk about what to watch in Under Surveillance. Not like you just say, it's all about location, location. Under Surveillance. Hulu released season four of Veronica Mars early with all the episodes, very un-Hulu-like of them to give you all the episodes at once. But there they are this weekend. They're like, hey, guess what, everybody at Comic-Con? We're just going to give you all the episodes. And in fact, we're giving everybody who subscribes to Hulu all the episodes of season four of Veronica Mars. Is, uh, is, that, is that a good sign? Is that the kind of move you make when you know you have a awesome property that everybody's yeah. excited about? Yeah. No, because that makes people even more excited. Oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this and they gave it to me early. It's like when they announced that Avengers would come out early, Infinity War, remember? Yeah. They did the same thing. Like, you guys want Infinity War early? How, it's, that, uh, it's that kind of move. Do, do we know how it's being received just yet? Uh, everybody hates the end. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, everybody loved it until the end. And there's an ending and I watched it. I'm not a Veronica Mars fan. I haven't seen even all of the episodes of this season, but I watched the finale with my wife, who's a huge uh, Veronica Mars fan. And I, I'm like, oh, they didn't want that thing to happen. Okay. I get why they're mad. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, 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 good on them. Yeah. Uh, Titans season two will premiere on DC Universe September 6th. If you're excited about Titans coming back, guess what? It's coming back. Uh, full length cool. trailer came out for HBO's Watchmen uh, coming f this fall. Uh, did you get to catch that one? I did. And Tom, I think I love it. I think I think it is. And again, I, I can't vouch for it. I haven't seen anything, but it seems to me like they're doing some really smart commentary on our current political. Just as the original Watchmen was yeah. uh, took the gestalt of of us being on the brink of nuclear war and and cranked up the contrast to 11 i feel like that's what ha that's what's happening with everything from you know the the, the black lives matters blue lives matters uh to uh you know to the to the trump ecosystem um i think they're handling it really well and they're setting it in that world in 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 a time where everybody worships the way things used to be i i, I think they're doing it right tom yeah, and it's it it's got a big blow up Nixon head, so I'm in. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I, I I think I think I think it's gonna be really good. I hope so too. It does look really good. Uh, trailer for Apple's Snoopy in Space came along. This is the educational program about uh, made with NASA, and of course, Apple has the license to all the Peanuts archive now. That's coming to Apple TV Plus this fall. 
Could be good. Could be good. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's, uh, also a full trailer for For All Mankind. Uh, that's the Ronald Moore uh, space vehicle. This one makes it very clear that even though it's an alternate universe, it's not an alternate universe where the Soviet Union just runs everything. Like there's, there, this is more of a, what if the space program just didn't stop? I think the, the Soviet Union flag being on the moon confused me in the first trailer, thinking like, oh, it's Soviet dominated, does not appear to be from this trailer. It's more like, no, Soviets got to the moon too. And so the race kept going. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, uh, which I'm I'm in a good place to really dive into. Uh, you know, we've talked about the Apollo 11 documentary. We talked about uh, First Man, which just showed up on HBO. Um, uh, it's a good time to get me all wrapped up in this in this you know back to the space race mentality. Coming this fall. That means Apple TV Plus coming this fall, Brian. It's going to be great. It's going to be great, Tom. Uh, his Dark Materials, the Philip Pullman-based uh, uh, television show coming to HBO, had a trailer. That's coming out this fall also. Uh, did, did you have a particular affinity for this franchise? I love the books. I wanted to love the movie so much. Uh, in fact, it was uh, the first Sword and Laser movie-related thing, like when Sword and Laser was on its first book clubs when it launched. Uh, so... Really want this to be good because uh, I really like the books and it looks like it's like the books, but I can't really tell if it's good or not. It's it's funny because like as a geek, I understand that it has a stellar reputation. But once the ads came out, I was like, well, it'll either be good or not good. In either case, I'm probably better off not watching any ads. So so I weirdly am steering clear of it to wait. You, to have you hear. read the books? Nope. Uh, okay. uh, my daughter has, but but I have not. You should eventually read the books. Well, and, and, uh, and again, uh, uh, that's on the agenda. But, but yeah, as yeah. you know, I'm a big fan of watch the movie first. And if you like the movie, exactly. the books right. are just going to be better. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, of course, we mentioned Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood coming in November, starring Tom Hanks as Fred Rogers. Clip from Rick and Morty season four uh, doesn't have Rick. Just Morty and his dad uh, with an intern and an ominous beeping sound. And uh, Rick and Morty still coming in November. Yeah, that's a look uh, put out. Uh, do two things. Confirm for all the fans that it's going to come out. It's going to come out on time. Outside of that, reveal as little as possible. <laughs> like, like that's that's the playbook. It's a funny little bit, right? Yeah, sure, it doesn't it's fine. reveal anything. Uh, Man in the High Castle opening minutes was shown. Uh, there's a bit of a cliffhanger to the last season, and this kind of picks up right from there. Uh, this, of course, is the final season, and that comes to Prime Video on November 15th. So... As as we've discussed here, I've only watched the first couple of episodes of season one, but you were a big fan of the book. Uh, I, 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 am I correct in understanding that the the TV show has has now far out outgrown the book and is now in basically counterpart territory? Uh ish. Yeah, it is. Um, it's not exactly in counterpart territory because the method of getting across to the alternate universes is much different. Also universes seems to be the key, not just two. Uh, there was no split time or anything like that, but it is a lot about moving between alternate universes, which was never a part of the book. They, yeah. After, there was a little bit of the book left in season two, but they exhausted it pretty quick. So it's all, it's all been new material since then. And, and what's your enthusiasm at right now? Oh, I love it. I, I think it's been great. It's been in the spirit of that book, and it's been interesting and well-produced, and the acting's great. Uh, I've been enjoying the heck out of it. Cool. The Expanse Season 4 has a date coming to Prime Video December 13th. 
I need to finish getting caught up with the expanse. Uh, are, are, are you are you fearful at all about a, a possible reduction in production quality uh, uh, now that they're on a uh, over the top uh, network? If anything, they probably ought to have an increase in production quality now that they got some Amazon dough flowing in. So yeah, I'm not worried at all. Cool. I am worried about cats. <laughs> I okay. Uh, everybody's talking about how bad cats looked. Uh, I watched the trailer. Looked fine. Looked fine. I mean, it looks like cats. Right? Yeah. It, well, exactly. And and it's like, yeah, no, no, no. Cats is not better as a stage play because we see all the seams and the costuming that you have. And right. if you're going to remove all those and smooth out the blending, then good. That's fine. I don't understand why everybody was going nuts on this. I think it's a lot of people who didn't understand what the Cats musical actually was and got freaked out that it was people dressed up as cats that's what the musical was if you never saw the musical and you only heard about it that might come as a surprise i suppose uh but this is pretty much the musical with digital fur uh on a movie screen coming december 20th i'll be honest i saw it as a trailer before the lion king and it didn't appear as weird on the big screen as I think the small screen emphasizes the oddness of people dressed up as cats. Well, and, and and again, it's a bold artistic decision. But then again, so is doing a Broadway musical of humans pretending <laughs> to be cats. You know, right. it's like it's like it's like it's like if you didn't buy the first ticket, why are you complaining about the, the, the transfer? Right. You know, uh, I got a new trailer for The Witcher with Henry Cavill uh, coming to Netflix by the end of the year. They still didn't give us a date, which is a little odd, but uh, looks looks very witchery. I'm I'm I'm. My enthusiasm is not flagged, but that's all I have to say. <laughs> wow, that's a ringing endorsement. Put I that know, on the right? poster, people. Uh, the uh, uh, I, I will say now. Now you read the books, right? I read one of the books, the very first collection. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I know Witcher Three is one of the most highly rated games, and everybody's raving about it. And I feel weirdly convicted, uh, convicted, conflicted because, like. Um, Again, like watch a movie and then watch, read the book. But it's like the mo the the video game is supposed to be really really good. Should I play the video game first well, to get accustomed to the world? I think the author didn't like what they did with the video games, and he so, denies that he didn't like it. But he never has anything right. nice to say about the video games, and, and he makes a point of saying that the series is based on his books and the video games weren't. Right. Which uh, he's not saying the video games were based on his books. He goes out of his way to say, I had nothing to do with the video games. They made choices on their own. I'm sure they're great, but the series will be based on my work and the decisions that I think the characters would make. Not to mention Witcher 3 is, I mean, it's the third game. So there's, I bet the movie doesn't even get into whatever happens in Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Sure, sure. But but I assume, uh, given all the rave reviews for the video game, that that it's a fair representation of the world, you know, to, to kind of soak in the, the rules of the game. It kind of so. depends on, on I you know, I, I Veronica read The Witcher when we did it for Sword and Laser and has played the games. Uh, and she said, yeah, it's generally the same, but there are a lot of differences. So hmm. it's kind of because, I mean, I don't I don't remember... I remember when I played the game for a little bit, the big, I mean, there is a big overarching narrative going on, but it's mostly, you know, go around and hunt the beasts. Do do the thing. Go and do, yeah, yeah. go, go click, kill the click big the monsters. Jeep shop, yeah. And, you know, lots of side quests and stuff. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think you would lose too much playing the game. I mean, but, but, but will, will there be Gwent in the game? <laughs> in the movie? Yeah. They should play oh, Gwent sorry, in the yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the first trailer for Star Trek Picard revealed more details, including showing Seven of Nine, Hugh, 
and data. And uh, then in the panel, confirming that Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis will also be in the series, still to come to CBS All Access early 2020. Uh, and packaged in with that, I'll just mention it at the same time, Star Trek Discovery uh, confirmed to take place a thousand years after the events of the second season. But somehow Spock, Pike and number one will also be in it. Uh, they were all over the short Treks trailer, uh, which they're going to do again. They're going to have six short uh, vignettes coming to CBS All Access featuring those characters. Not going to lie. I fully intended to blow a raspberry and shout boring, but I thought it would hurt your heart too much if I were to do that. <laughs> like about e e even oh, about Picard, uh, like oh. uh, even 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 as a joke, I, I, I couldn't do that to you. <laughs> because well, did you like the trailer? Do you or do you not loved care it. about it? It was great. Anyway. It was great. Are you kidding me? Um, it, it did give a little bit of credence to my theory that it's going to be True Detective season three because there's that opening line of like, uh, uh, do you remember? Have you ever been outside of yourself? Or I, I forget how they phrased it. Uh, but uh, everything about it sounds fantastic. It, it looks amazing. And it looks to me like and just, just a trailer. So I could be I could be totally wrong. It looks to me like they will bring in characters you love from other Star Trek series, uh, Seven of Nine, obviously not not TNG. She's she's just, she's a uh, Voyager, but they will bring them in motivated for the story, which the story is about Picard. Uh, and if that's the case and they handle it well, that'll be a delight. My guess is that the data scene we see at the end of the trailer is either on a holodeck or a dream or a, dream. Or a memory yeah. uh, where he's like grieving over what happened to data in Nemesis and trying to work through the grief. Beatmaster80 in the chat suddenly brought up the best bomb to drop at the end of this. What are the odds that at some point a surprise cue shows up? Yeah, are they doing more than one season? Do we even know? I, uh, I, it's got to be a one and done, I assume. I, I mean, would think so. I think that's the only way Patrick Stewart would agree. But if they were doing a season two, wouldn't it be great if that's the season ender? John Delancey just pops up. Well, hello, Picard. <sighs> It'll be it'll be like a I don't know I hate to say this even out loud. Here's what I if I if I'm just gonna throw out a random roll of the dice, it's gonna be like the ending of Watership Down. Q's gonna show up and he's gonna lead uh, in a metaphorical journey Picard to the afterlife, and, that, oh, and we're yeah, all gonna cry like, like crazy mm -hmm. at the end of this. That is that is oh God I just got chills yeah, I'm yeah, I'm yeah, goosebumps yeah. all over. It was fun. All right. Uh, Snowpiercer TV show coming to TBS spring 2020 with Jennifer Connelly and David Diggs taking place seven years after the events of the film. I have to say this looked better than I expected. Uh, yeah. Although they didn't do anything to sort of establish why there's still a train running around. If it's in the same canonical universe yeah, as the one I'm where the one train fell myself. off the tracks. Yeah. Uh, they they fixed her up, I guess. <laughs> Why? The whole point of the movie was to get off the freaking train. New train, <laughs> new train. Oh, they Brian. tried, but they couldn't. <laughs> Heard that? It's still really cold out there. I don't know. I'm more, I'm curious about that myself. <laughs> Uh, also, we have some, uh, I guess it's a sequel called Top Gun Maverick coming summer 2020. Some people seem to be very excited. 
Uh, I, I could be very excited for this. Uh, I like the fact that the whole trailer is just taking a dump on Maverick and everything he represents from the 80s and him sort of being stuck in the past. Uh, which... Why are you still around? Also, why do you look so much younger than me is what I imagined he would also be saying. Uh, yeah, and he goes, he goes uh, uh, two things, Scientology and CG editing. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm optimistic. I mean, look. Uh, I, I, just I, to be clear, I, Top Gun fans, I was joking when I was acting dismissive of this. Uh, as as you may know, if you listen to it, it's a thing with Molly, myself and Molly Wood. Uh, many of my friends very excited about this movie. Two things. Number one, in general, Tom Cruise tends to pick good movies, right, and tends to to be good at them. Uh, number two, uh, those shots on the pl- on the pl- I would not be surprised if we find out that he full on piloted a jet fighter and did yep. all that stuff. Like, no, like Eileen it, and I were saying the same thing. We're like, he he is in that fighter. Yeah, whether he's actually piloting it or not. I don't know, but instead, of, that is not a stage, soundstage, green screen, and that because that's the kind of thing he does now. Yep. Like he does that for all the MI five or the Mission Impossible movies. Not they're all not all five, but uh, all the Mission Impossible movies. He does his stunts now. It's, it's the thing that he wants to insist that he does. Uh, the Orville season three will be a Hulu exclusive in late 2020. Um, yay for that show! Boo for my hope that it would. I have so many seasons and be so successful that I could unambiguously decide to dive into it. Uh, but instead, like it's it's so it's sort of like 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 with TV shows, you have the opportunity to become a fan after they become world champions, and that's what I was hoping the Orville would do. <laughs> but instead, it sounds like I, it's okay. just surviving. I, let me let me let me give you some hope for that because first of all, I don't think we're in a world where going from broadcast to streaming is a demotion. Uh, it's a lateral move. Yeah, and but but, yeah, but half, uh, broadcast prime time to Hulu, I, I I perceive as a drop. But it's also sci-fi. It's also science fiction, which well, also sure, infamously does weird on broadcast. It's moving from Fox-owned Fox broadcast channel, no longer not owned by Disney. Different company owns the broadcast channel to Disney-owned Hulu, mm. and I think that has more to do with it than the popularity. Suddenly. Fox, which only owns the Fox broadcast channel, was looking at how much money they would get from the Orville and going, well, we're not getting the residuals anymore. We're not we're not getting any money for this thing, you know, running elsewhere because we don't own Hulu. Uh, So I don't know. It's got a lot of viewers there. Maybe it's not worth it. And Disney said, yeah, you know what? We'd we'd make that a Hulu exclusive in a heartbeat. We'll get tons more people on Hulu uh, if we do that. That's where most people were watching it anyway, I'm guessing. Uh, So. Uh, it, I think it has as much to do with the split of assets between Disney and the the rump fox that's left as it does with the popularity of the Orville. The rump fox. <laughs> Sounds like a character from an uh, older Disney animated movie. Revivid video. Uh, Doom Patrol uh-huh. will get a second season on DC Universe, but will also appear on HBO Max in 2020. Uh, yeah, that's outside of my orbit, so I, I don't know nothing about Doom Patrol. Hopefully I don't know it's anything about Doom Patrol either, but interesting that they're taking this DC Universe show and putting its back catalog and new episodes on the new HBO Max service. Also, it's the first time I've seen Will appear on HBO Max and been like, oh, so it's coming to HBO. Well, that's kind of, oh, right, HBO Max. Max. Dude, yeah. get 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 used to that idea. The HBO brand is about to be garbage. It's about to well, be no, nothing, I don't, man. I, I, I had the opposite reaction of like, oh, Doom Patrol is getting an upgrade. It's going to HBO. 
really? Yeah, that's and how I. That was my gut reaction. Then when I, I saw, saw the word Max, and I was just like, oh. You and then mean I the- saw Max, and I was like, oh right, that's a that's the extended. That's why. But it didn't make me think less of it. Mm, get ready. Get, get, uh, get comfy with the idea. <laughs> Westworld trailer came out showing more of the characters plus a view of uh, Nazi world, Germany world, World War II world, whatever that is. Uh, anyway, coming in 2020. Man, freaking Westworld showing up like like this ex-girlfriend looking exactly how I wish she looked like when we were dating. And it's like, oh, man, I bet you would love a little bit of World War II world. It's like, well, yes, I would. And like, I bet you'd love the entire series to be set outside of that one stupid island that we hang around with for two whole seasons. Yes, I would. You're like, oh, I bet the only thing you'd like more than that is Aaron Paul showing up. They're like, yes, I would. He's like, well, anyway, I'm pretending to be all those things. Only one way to find out if I really am those things. Also, I'm your crazy ex-girlfriend. You can't trust me. <laughs> Puff of smoke it's vanish. It's the multiverse of madness. <sighs> yeah. Um, it looks really good. You're right. I mean, I mean it, 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 it is pretending to be everything I want, but I don't believe it. Because it's my ex-girlfriend. But you're going to watch it, too, yes, right? Yes, I'm going to hate watch it. So Even when I love it, I'm going to hate love it. It's going to be awful <laughs> and wonderful. Uh, I can't wait for that spoiler attack. Uh, <laughs> NBC's AP Bio is getting a third season on NBC's forthcoming streaming service coming in 2020. Uh, AP Bio was full on canceled. It was like, nope, we're not doing it. Certainly isn't a division of assets going on here because it's going from not being on NBC to being on NBC's streaming service. Yeah, I I, I suppose that uh, like I suppose that what happens is, is you start to when you're in a position like NBC, you start to perceive that your primetime block is really just as much an advertisement service as it is a delivery service, right? Like um, in general, we think of it as like, this is when and where I go to consume must-see TV or whatever. But but once you've collected all the fans you're going to collect, then it kind of makes sense to just like, all right, you guys are all in. You guys all like this. Great. We're moving to Hall H. Move on over there because we have another showcase of a new well, show to show They canceled you. AP Bio. Like they flat out canceled it, said, that's it. It's not going to be on anymore. They didn't ask people to move. And then later, somebody did some back-of-the-envelope calculations like, you know what? It isn't working on broadcast, but it might might work as an original on our streaming service. Maybe we should bring it back. But like, I, I, I would say that we live in an age now where even the decision to cancel, uh, I, I, I perceive that somebody in the room would say, well, if the fans really love it, we'll hear about it, and then we could just throw it on streaming. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that fits both of our narratives, right? Yeah. I, I think they could be like, it doesn't work on broadcast. We're canceling it. But uh, watch the backlash because we do need some originals for the streaming service. And if we're getting enough buzz about it, maybe we'll bring it back. That'd be a nice boost for the streaming service. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Apple's only decent TV show that you can actually watch, Carpool Karaoke, has been renewed for a third season. It's going to be great, Tom. It is great. You can actually watch it. Hmm. That's actually pretty good, too. All right. Uh, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on, Brian. Hey, man. Uh, so I uh, went and saw Lion King, uh, watched an episode of Extras. Outside of that, I was at Comic-Con with my kids. Hot damn. If you have the means to take your kids to the very first comic book convention, uh, by all means, make it Comic-Con or Dragon Con or something. I mean, it, it was great. Uh, separately, though, uh, in my continuing quest to show my kids uh, great movies from the past, we ended up watching Tom Hanks' uh, Castaway. And it's great. My kids hated it from the beginning to the end. They hated 
the fact that all we did was watch our protagonist get tortured. I loved every moment of it. I tried to explain to them that there was phenomenal uh, nuance and storytelling conveyed without any dialogue at all. And that uh, there's a fundamental shift the moment that you see this born extrovert uh, invent a tool to have somebody to talk to. And then all of a sudden he becomes uh, smarter and better at surviving. Uh, and then the complicated ending where he realizes that he spent his whole life obsessed with time and now he's out of sync with time. Uh, all of it was delightful. My kids hated it. I loved it. It's Castaway. Yeah, check it out. Uh, we binged the first season of Killing Eve this weekend, uh, which is one of those like, yeah, I know it's supposed to be good. I need to get around to it. And we finally watched it. It's great. I totally understand why people like it. It is not must watch in the sense that it's doing anything new. Uh, although it is sub doing something new within its genre, uh, but it is like, you know, a detective hunting for the killer and identifying with the killer and becoming interested in the killer. They just do that in a really cool and interesting way uh, that keeps you guessing, keeps you on your toes. And if you like that genre, you will love Killing Eve. If you kind of like that genre, I think you'll probably like Killing Eve. Uh, it's well acted and well written and I enjoyed it. I heard season two is not as good. I can see why. Because the whole thing they're teasing throughout Killing Eve is whether you will have the detective finally get together and meet the killer and what that will mean. And once that happens, you know, where do you go with that story? I, I'll watch season two and find out. They but, fall in yeah. love. Yeah, well, <laughs> spoilers. All right. Uh, what should we be on the lookout for, Bryce? Hey, I uh, uh, thought that this was kind of a timely sort of uh, licensing announcement. Both both you and uh, Tom and Brian watched Apollo 11 when it came out uh, earlier this year. It came out in like January this year. Now uh, it's on Hulu, uh, at least in America. The CNN documentary Apollo 11 is a real footage documentary of the Apollo 11 mission. And it's got a bunch of new 70 millimeter footage. And it it's it's very cool, right? Because it doesn't have any voiceovers or like new voiceovers. It doesn't have any new interviews. There's no narrator. Have, there's no narration. It's all like footage and audio from the time. I think they have some music. They have like pad padded music and stuff. But it's it's really cool. I I I was trying to to watch this between the shows today, and I only got like 20 minutes or so. But it's really f fascinating. In that you, you feel like you're experiencing real time travel. You feel like you're there and those are real human beings all around you. And, and you know what part of it is, is because it's all like footage from the time. It's not like, hey, we're making a documentary in 50 years. It's like, hey, I'm some guy with a camera. And so people will look at you and people look at the screen. And that's really what makes it feel like you're there. It's like, oh, this person's acknowledging me. Right. And and yeah. ladies will get self-conscious. They look over. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm on camera. I don't know. There, you know. There's a great tracking shot near the beginning where they're going through these rows and rows of the control center. And you just see the, the people look looking at you because it's this long and broken shot. I'm sure the camera was this big at the time. And it's like, oh, I'm they like i am very much there it's a very direct sort of way to make you feel in the moment yeah now you both of you guys saw this right did yes what, what did you guys you guys Loved had it. a lot of like, I, I, I watched it twice i cried both times um mm -hmm. uh i will say if you have four hours to invest in the experience oh. watch first man first it just showed up on hbo and then watch this after because oh. uh, you see a fictionalized version and then you see the real version and it's all the more impactful because you've already been on the emotional journey yeah. um uh i, I highly recommend it uh, uh, Apollo 11, maybe one of my all-time favorite documentaries. 
Tom I watched the rebroadcast in real time of the CBS coverage of the moon landing wow. uh, this weekend because Saturday was the anniversary. And so NASA TV ran the coverage again to, to sync up with the time, like the time it actually happened. And it was shocking to me how little actual footage they have, right? Because it's live. And there was no live streaming of a bunch of these cameras that were rolling in the capsule that we get to see in Apollo 11. So you get to see in Apollo 11 a view of the moon landing that essentially has never been seen before because the live coverage didn't have live shots yeah. of everything. It got, you know, it got one live shot of the important part where Neil Armstrong comes out and you get a few other live shots, but most of the time you're seeing simulations of the landing. Uh, the documentaries that came later, later did all these things that cut things up and put in narration to try to show you the most important moments. What I love about Apollo 11 is exactly what your guys are talking about. You see everything. It's not narrated. It's real footage. You get to see stuff that would have hit the cutting room floor in a documentary because, well, that's not interesting. It's a bunch of people looking at the camera. It ruins the shot. Love that mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, and it is, to my mind, probably the best way of viewing that, even if you lived through it. Yeah. Uh, so that's Apollo 11. You want to make sure you find the CNN one. CNN Films and Neon made this. So that's streaming on the on Hulu in the U.S. It's also on Sling TV and Fubo. I think via hmm. their on-demand stuff in the U.S. Uh, if you're not in the U.S., check out Just Watch. Uh, they have listings for this stuff, so you can find out where to find it. It's also, they put it on digital distribution back in May. So if you can't stream it, you can probably buy uh, or rent it. If you got something we should be on the lookout for, email us, cordkillers at gmail.com. You know what else I watched on Saturday morning? What's that? Apollo 18. Oh, uh, oh wait, is that the one with like uh, monsters on the moon? Yeah, where, where they, they send a secret oh. mission to the moon and then there's rock monsters. And, um, although although was, that should be next on my list uh, to watch with the 11-year-old is Apollo 13. That's a, That'd be a fine experience for my yeah. kid. And then see its sequel, Apollo 18. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you Three documentaries, 11, 11 13, and 18. <laughs> uh, hey, Tom, look, I, I got this problem. There's my, you, ever, you ever have your wallet just be busted? It's like there's, there's just all this money in it, and I don't know how to get rid of it. It drives me nuts. Oh, uh, you can give it to me. I mean, how, and I, I don't mean I... charity. I don't mean I'll give you something back in return. Uh, I write things. Uh, I, and I put my writing on a Patreon. So if you get, like, even if you just gave a dollar out of that, you would get access to, uh, like a weekly, uh, updated novel that's being serialized out there called Vera about a woman who is discovering that there is a secret hidden kingdom, uh, that believes that it's if in, been influencing world events for centuries. But if I wanted to, I could give more than a dollar. Oh, you could. Uh, and then you might be able to get like beta reads of, of, of my novels before they're even available. Uh, okay, you've sold me. Uh, where do I go? Patreon.com slash Ace Detect. Uh, A-C-E-D-T-E-C-T -E -E is my writing Patreon. Uh, and, and you get all those things and more. I even do like little short stories from time to time. Uh, if you want to keep updated on what's in that, uh, and all of the podcasts I do, sign up for the newsletter at freetomnewsletter.com. Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. HBO set a record for most Emmy nominations in a single season this year with 137. Netflix received 117 nominations. That's five more than it got last year when it led 
in nominations. HBO held the previous nomination record of 126, which it set back in 2015. Among the HBO nominees are Game of Thrones, Chernobyl, Barry, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, uh, True Detective, Leaving Neverland, and Succession. Netflix had nominations for When They See Us, Russian Doll, Ozark, and Glow. And NBC was third with 58 nominations. Prime Video was fourth with 47 nominations. Uh, and back in the pack somewhere, Hulu had 20 nominations. How remarkable is it that number one and number two uh, for a number of nominations, uh, 20 years ago, neither of which were eligible for Emmys. Uh, HBO was relegated to the, uh, you know, the Kmart of Emmys, the Cable Ace Awards. And of course, uh, it was a news item right here on this show when we first mentioned that Netflix was going to be eligible for all of this stuff. Yeah, uh, pretty meanwhile, good, pretty good. Avengers Endgame passed Avatar's $2.7 billion on Sunday to become the highest grossing movie of all time. Endgame is second domestically uh, at 850 53 million behind The Force Awakens and 936 million. Uh, I, I, I guess I was going to say, like, it's only a matter of time, but I don't know. That's 80 million seems like I guess it's not going to surpass that. Uh, yeah, no, it doesn't look like it'll it'll get number one in the U.S. It's also not number one in the U.K., but it's number one worldwide. That's number all one in my heart. Yeah. Netflix has purchased the on-demand rights for this year's already completed Eurovision Song Contest, if you want to relive it, uh, as well as video on-demand for next year's Eurovision Contest. Netflix will not live stream next year's contest, though, leaving the U.S. still without a domestic broadcaster for the live version of Eurovision. Is uh, is is there an opportunity for somebody like Twitter to step in on this kind of thing? It seems like uh, Twitter would, would be well-positioned to, to take that over. Yeah, or, or Amazon, but Amazon isn't going to do it when Netflix has the VOD. So, yeah, I mean, Twitter, that'd be a perfect thing for Twitter to do. NBC News will produce daily morning and evening newscasts for Quibi seven days a week. It's first announced uh, partner for Quibi's daily essentials news and lifestyle lineup. NBC will have a dedicated staff of producers and reporters as well as a dedicated studio for Quibi news content, but will draw content from existing NBC News products. Uh, are we optimistic? Uh, they're certainly going to spend a lot of money on it, aren't they? Uh, if they're putting a whole staff together and a whole studio together. So, um, yeah, uh, they're going to give it all they got. Get ready to love it as much as we love cheddar. ITV and BBC unveiled plans for the UK version of BritBox. The first shows to be available in the UK on the streaming service will include Love Island and Gentleman Jack. It will be priced at £5.99 a month. And this is a separate product from the BritBox we have here in the U.S., uh, okay, so the UK version of a service that fetishizes the UK. So it's a, it's a bit like it's it's. Uh, hold no, on. I I mean don't look at it that way. In the US, they market it as a service that fetishizes the UK because that's how you're going to get subscribers here. When in a world with Netflix and Hulu, in the UK, they'll just market it as here's our Britain television. The the television you get here on the box is in Britbox. Uh, enjoy all the best stuff from ITV and BBC in Britbox, available for five pounds ninety nine. Uh, I guess I guess it's the Britbox name that seems curious because you're right. It's not the content. The content, of course, makes sense it's the branding it's like uh uh it's as though something in japan came out called hooray america and it was the best of american television and then it came out in america that would do very still, well in america and it was still called hooray america <laughs> you know it would do very well yeah 
Exactly. We have a network called USA, Brian. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Netflix has edited the suicide scene from season one of 13 Reasons Why on the advice of medical experts, including Dr. Christine uh, Moutier, uh, chief medical officer at the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Season one premiered two years ago. Season three is about to launch this summer. Uh, reading the tea leaves on this, if you look at the, the tweets and all that stuff, it looks like basically... Netflix said, hey, we'd love to have a third season, but we really have a problem in that it's fairly unambiguous that we kind of, uh, I, I don't know if the word would be glamorized. Well, we covered it, remember, suicide. when there was yeah. pressure on them to edit that end, and they were like, no, we think this is important, and it's real, and we've consulted medical professionals. So now they're like, we consulted more medical professionals, and this time we changed our mind. And yeah, like, I, I watched that season, I think if you don't have that explicit shot, or if you, like, that was... That's a it's a very hard thing to watch, but it's also like, hey, th this is not not real. It's it's a show, but it's there's gravity to this, and this is this is a bad thing so, with pain and consequences. And I think removing that scene, I haven't seen the edit, but well, like but the medical the medical opinion is that yes, for someone who wouldn't commit suicide, mm -hmm. it's very off putting, but for someone who might commit suicide. It's glorification. It's or 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 it's a it's a, uh, a a strategy meeting to make sure that that you handle it right. Uh, I, I guess I I mean I'm not a I'm not a doctor. He, here's I what know. I suspect it all comes down to: is somebody somewhere was able to point to an actuarial study like mm -hmm. these are the 37 more deaths that happened as a result of this existing than statistically speaking would have happened were did this not exist? And mm -hmm. in the face of that. How do you defend it? And so I, I, if I were Netflix, I would wilt in that kind of thing. I'm just surprised, especially in a time when they're this. It must be doing very well for them to go through all of this rather than to uh, mm. to, to just cancel it. I mean, the last yeah, time right. that they've edited something after the fact was was Bird Box. And that was a copyright issue. That was yeah. them using or no, no, that was a train derailment thing. And that was. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was it was sensitivity over so, using real footage of a train derailment that killed real people that they, they backed out of. So, yeah, I mean, even basically they want to keep this in their catalog and they don't feel good about keeping it in their catalog as is. Yeah, I, I would say in an alternate timeline where there was no third season, there is no reason to do this. But if you intend to continue to make money and mm. somebody somewhere can point to the actual human deaths that happened as a result of the increase of awareness, uh, then this is it makes sense that you would have to do that. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our dispatches from the front. Barb, not Stranger Things Barb, writes it. Well, maybe. I don't know. She didn't say, actually. I shouldn't jump to conclusions. Barb writes in and says, hi, I'm not sure if you've covered Canopy before. I normally listen at bedtime and I might have just nodded off, but it's a free streaming service I just discovered at my county library. All you need is your library card number and PIN to access what I think is pretty decent collection of movies, as well as kids content, mostly PBS and the Great Courses series. My library allows me to watch 10 items a month, which doesn't include kids' content or the Great Courses, which are unlimited. I imagine the content depends on the library system, so the amount of content might depend on library funding. Also, if you belonged to more than one library system, you can add the credits together to watch more. I don't know about other public library systems, but I continue to be impressed by how our library in Howard County, Maryland, is keeping up with the times. Uh, I think we did talk about this before, but I'm yeah. so glad to hear it again. Please, yeah. if anybody is remember. unsure, write us directly. 
I don't remember Canopy, but I use Hoopla, mm -hmm. uh, which is the one that the LA uh, library system uses. And it's essentially the same idea. Audiobooks, uh, ebooks, movies, TV shows, all available with your library cards. Great. Cordkillers at gmail.com. Uh, Rick writes in saying, hey, guys, was thrilled when you read uh, when we read his travel tips for uh, uh, email, but then cringed when he realized he left out one of the letters of the software that converts .tivo files to .mp4s. What's funny is I remember watching Bryce do his best to try to find out what was missing. We weren't able to do it live, mm -hmm. but it's a uh, uh, PAV tube pav tube is the ah. software to convert that okay thank you for writing back rick uh appreciate that because i'm like in a world of ffmpeg there might be a tool called pa tube and we're just not able to find it so that clears it up pav tube you're the best and then steve says tom et al i have never heard you mention the dust channel on youtube i think you and your listeners interested in sci-fi should check it out who knows you might find someone to make a short movie from one of your books uh, it looks, I, I didn't realize it was such a big deal. It's at 1.1 million subscribers. Uh, it looks like it has extraordinary production uh, quality. Yeah, it seems like yeah, I was so tempted to be like, well, anybody can get a million subscribers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it looks like they do sci-fi short films on, on Dust. Oh, yeah. And it looks like they've got uh, some top quality talent in there, too. I yeah, yeah. No, this looks cool. Several Thanks, of the actors. For, for passing this along. Very cool. cool. Neat. Well, uh, thank you all for joining us as well. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack, which is also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Tell them what they win, Brian. Uh, they win our hearts and our minds, and most importantly, our undying promise to show up and kill your cords next time. Hey, guys, Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message. At the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh my gosh, I've got a name. Because you just supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those $5 donors, look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're going to make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. There's names in there, but some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cordkillers and pledge $5 an episode to be one of these amazing people. Like this the one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>